Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Dialogue Options Podcast with your ever-faithful host, Joel McDonald. That is me, and, as always, my very, very good friend and co-host, Kyra Morrison. How are you doing, man? Uh, good. Good, except for dealing with the existential crisis after finishing Twin Peaks this week. You know? Oh, of course. Fantastic. Yeah. So, I, I hear good things. Yes. like it's one of those things that like i can't i can't tell you if it's good or not unless you watch it and then go did you like it question mark yeah well uh i'm it's on the cards i'm i might be borrowing a stan account from someone to potentially catch up and just marathon the whole thing oh oh, all right have you have you listened to this week's hunting seasons i haven't yet no okay no i yeah a word of advice from yeah. Damask is to not try that. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, see, funny thing is, she was she was watching the, the new series to do the episode on Monday, which is when we played D and D, and she ended up pulling out at the last minute. I feel like it might have been. She said she had a headache. And I, <laughs> I, I, that makes sense. It could I be guess. Twin Peaks. <laughs> um, it totally makes sense. Uh, well, I've, I've watched some fun stuff this week. No, yeah. I I I like that we've got this you know new little part of what we've been watching. This well, week I mean, it. it's like when I'm not playing video games, I'm probably watching something, and that's true. Yeah, and plus, yeah. like the last um, two weeks, we've had like Game of Thrones wrap up, and now Twin Peaks is wrapped up, and now I'm just like yeah, TV yeah. shows. Where are you? I've got Rick and Morty, well, which is great. Yeah, exactly. Well, we didn't have that this week, which made me sad. But um, I'm hoping uh, you you'll be very impressed with this, Karen. I um. I've in the last week and a half I've pretty much turned into full weeb trash. Um because I've been watching a lot of anime. I'm so proud of um, you. Um yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh so I I I think I said last week I'd seen uh Princess Mononoke and uh The Cat Returns at the cinemas, which were both really good. Uh and this week to, uh, this evening actually I went and saw uh, How's Moving Castle, uh which is my wife's favorite uh Ghibli film. Um I liked it. It was good. I have a couple of issues with it, Ooh. but apart from like, it's, I look and like not bad issues. It's just a couple of things like pacing issues and stuff like that. And a couple of things that, like conveniently wrapped up and stuff like that. And I'm like, but like overall, I enjoyed it. It's really great. And the English uh, voice acting is really good at it too. I think it's one of the best. Look, that's the thing of it always voice acting that I've heard. Gets me about, about Ghibli, about their, their stuff is like the English dubs are always pretty solid. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. Like it's uh, like I mean, Billy Crystal as uh, Calcifer is so good. Um, he does such a good job. Um, and yeah, like and Christian Bale. Although that scene where he like his hair gets dyed orange. Yeah, I can't watch that scene anymore. Cause I of can't because of a video. Yeah, without thinking of like the per- the person who like geniusly dubbed it over with his um Christian Bale's freak out onset it- freak out. It's pretty good. Oh, like that that freak out so video funny. was pretty. It will ruin that scene for you. It's it's literally. It was coming up, and I knew it was coming up, and so did my wife, obviously. And we both looked at each other, and we're just like, "Oh god, we can't, we can't do this." Um, so we're just like like muffled giggling during that whole scene, which is funny. Um, but yeah, no, that was really good. But I've also been watching a little anime called Kill the Kill, which has been really really fucking awesome as well. It's great. Um, it's a good yeah, time. It it's look. It's hard to explain it without sounding like a massive creep. I mean, it's um, it's a magical girl anime, really. That's just true. With yeah, a little bit is. of a twist. 
It was a little bit of a twist, and it's. It, I, I like. I think it's probably one of the better anime, I, I, magical girl animes that I've like heard of. Like the story is really interesting. It's the pacing of it is so good. Like it's so rapid pace, um, to the point where they even make fun of it. Where they, I think, in one of the starts of one of the episodes, they do like a full season recap. Uh, they're like, "This is going to be the recap episode where we recap the whole season." And it, like, we know it's pretty boring, but here we go. And they go through the entire season in the intro, and they're like, "Look." Thanks to the rapid pace of this show, our entire um, recap episode was done in the intro sequence. And then you get into the next episode. I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of funny. Um, which is funny because, like, uh, there's an episode of Gurren Lagann, which is which literally is just a full recap episode. So I'm not sure if that's, like, a play on that. <laughs> Either way, yeah. yeah, that was good. It seems to be playing on a lot of tropes as well, which I really oh, yeah. like. It's, it's fun. It's, it's the a, reason it's why I like... Yeah, it's the reason why I like One Punch Man as well. Like, it plays on a lot of those sort of, like, I guess, like, Dragon Ball um, superhero-y kind of animes as well, whereas he seems to be poking a little bit of fun at the Magical Girl anime. By the way, is... Dragon Ball Super, a good time as well. I've been, I'm like, that's up to episode 107 or something now on Anime Lab. Jesus. Watching it weekly Jesus. is is fun. I should, I should, I should jump into it and give it a go, but... I'll see how we go. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll just dip my toe in and see how I go. Yeah. Like, I've got a couple more on my list that I've got to try and get through next. So but I'm almost done with Killer Kills. So hopefully have that done tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, it's, it makes sense to tackle a 25 episode anime versus a 107 episode anime. <laughs> That's my plan. Yep. Um, like maybe don't think, dive yeah, into that. I think Drifters is next for me or potentially Erased. Um, so... That's on the cards. Let's see what I do. But uh, I guess we're not really here to talk about anime, although we probably could a little bit. I like this, though. We have like a little bit of a, you know, testing the waters at the start of the episode. It's yeah, good. just some general banter about what we've been doing besides video games because... Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we don't it's, play video games, Joel. It happens. It happens. It's true. It's true. Well, <laughs> for instance, this week I haven't really played much that I haven't spoken about before. So, in fact, I've played nothing that I haven't spoken about before. So, uh, with that being said, you have played a little something, a little bit of something that I, I haven't played, and that we have both haven't played yet. It's true. Um, so, do you want to kick us off this week? I, I sure will, Joel. And I'll, I'll do it. I'll preface it by saying that I, I was weak. It was a moment of weakness. Yep. And I purchased Destiny Two. I did it. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> something about the. It's, it's been a. Uh, sometimes you just have those stressful stressful days at work and you just want to come home and shoot something and make mm-hmm. numbers go bigger and destiny mm-hmm. ticks those boxes so i i picked it up oh, yeah. and now it's not bad i want to say that immediately like i know we were pretty down on the beta a few weeks back i'm pretty sure yeah yeah we definitely were <laughs> yeah it was uh initially just diving in straight into destiny 2 like all of my concerns are like washing away they're gone oh that's Good to hear. That's yeah. It's good to hear for the game. It's not good to hear for my wallet because I'm yeah. probably going to go and buy this game tomorrow now. So well, hey, like like luckily there are some pretty good deals, and of course there is always trade and save at EB Games, Joel. If that's more your style, yep. so you have options. I don't have, I don't have anything I want to trade. I only have Mass Effect, and that's it. That's yeah, it's probably probably not worth much, honestly. No, oh. not by itself. Sorry, Mass Effect. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Hey, the numbers don't lie. Oh, I mean, um, you're now a finished game, air quotes. So, unfortunately, that's that's your fate. 
yeah, finished in every sense of the word, unfortunately. But, um, all right. So, so what positives, negatives? What's the, what's the go with Destiny Two? Okay, well, sell me even more on it. So I, I'm only I'm probably only in the grand scheme of things maybe three or four hours into into Destiny Two. So okay. it's early days. What I will say is probably my my biggest like the thing I'm most happy with is how much less time I spend staring at my dumb spaceship in orbit. Like, fantastic. A lot of Destiny One is you go to a place, you do an activity, you get your mission end countdown timer, you get kicked back to orbit where you look at your ship and you fly somewhere else and rinse and repeat. Uh, I think I think you'll find too. There's a there's a step in there that you're missing as well. In that mission and mission countdown timer, it, it is dancer mode. The dancer um, mode, yeah, and then the scoreboard. Yep, yep. Which I still don't understand why is really there, but whatever. <laughs> sure, why not? Uh, but Destiny Two basically trims a lot of that fat. Most of the time, you'll finish a mission, and like unless it's I think it's story missions might have the countdown timer still, but like not all of them do. And even when they do, you can just you don't need to go back to orbit to go anywhere, Joel. Like, on the surface oh. of that planet, you press down that touchpad or whatever the equivalent is on the Xbox controller. You pick where you want to go from the, the galaxy map or the planet map, and there are, like, specific fast travel points, and you can just go straight there. You don't have to That's go to awesome. orbit and then pick somewhere and then fly there. Like, you can just go from one point to another. And that is probably the thing I'm most happy with in this game because, yeah, so much time is just wasted in destiny one looking at looking at nothing in, in orbit and waiting for the game to do something so it seems like it's more streamlined like, yes some yeah. some massive quality of life changes to just sort of just to make the whole experience more enjoyable awesome and you don't really have that time to sit there and go oh i could be i could be playing something else like when you're on the actual planet surface there's there's usually something nearby like patrols right. have been replaced by things called adventures which seem like actual side quests with with dialogue and objectives and all that which immediately like patrols you would get maybe a couple of different ones and you just sort of repeat them and you're like uh, you're like great fun even the name patrols like it's such a boring name it's like oh gotta go do it it's it makes it sound monotonous out the gate so yeah it made it sound less appealing but adventure Um, Joel, yeah that's I'm not, good. I'm not I mean, even kidding. I mean, when you adventure. go go up to the beacons to do it, like the prompt is start adventure, and I'm just like, yes, oh. I want to start an adventure. Let's do this. Fuck yeah, I want to start adventure. That sounds awesome. Like Destiny Two was immediately at the gate, more aware of what it should be focusing on, and right, good on them for that. There, it seems that uh, you know, I'm 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 sure glad that I helped them by participating in that uh that very lengthy two three year beta. And pretty expensive for a beta as well. Mm, mm, yeah, it's um, yeah. I mean, we joke, but <laughs> anyway. we had a, we had a good time with Taken King. Oh, absolutely. Oh, we had a good time with like Vanilla Destiny as well because that was yeah. when I got my PS4. So I like like we've said many times before, like those nights, like those first two three weeks where you and I were like working the same sort of hours, yeah. so like, we finish work <laughs> late at night and play from like midnight till four a.m. and like go, yeah, this is great. We're having a good time. So yeah, I don't, true. I don't regret playing them. I don't regret playing it whatsoever. Like you know, but obviously it needed some some uh, <clears throat> improvements, and it seems like it's it's doing that, which is good. Yeah, um, I guess that's the other thing I'll say about Destiny Two is it's such a joy to no longer see 
grimoire unlocked pop up anymore. Oh, and yeah. having actual cutscenes and meeting actual characters. Like, Bungie remembered they had Nathan Fillion and were like, oh, we should probably use Nathan Fillion. People sort yeah, of like yeah. him. And fucking Keith David as well, isn't it? And, um... And I forget... Other, oh, what's her name? The other, the other lady from, from Firefly. It's... Oh, no, I have to Google this. It's going to annoy the hell out of me. Yeah, it's going to piss me off as well. Um, but yeah, so, like, you know, had, like, a mini Firefly reunion there. And and Keith David, who's always great. Uh, and not just that, Joel. That's not all. Uh, um, mm. uh, Gina. Gina Torres. Ah, that's Torres. the one. So that's not it. Like, those aren't the only people who are in this, Joel. There's been a couple more voice actors pop up that I've been surprised to hear and also happy. Uh, So the Eververse, for example. Right. They're back in Destiny 2, which is obviously the microtransaction faction where you go to give Bungie more of your money. Now, side note here. Can you earn Eververse, like, silver in-game now as well? I haven't found like been given any yet i know they gave it to you in destiny yeah. to sort of encourage you but what i will say is at level 7 and level 14 i got like a couple of gifts from from the eververse store so they don't seem to give you the silver but at certain increments they will give you like a, a gift box and stuff like that okay. so yeah okay, it's cool. it's sort of there to make you go here's a nice gift maybe you should buy silver to buy some more hey yeah but the the voice of the of the, the character who actually runs the Eververse store in this game, Joel, is Claudia Black. It is oh Cl- fuck yeah! It is Chloe Fraser. Oh okay, you know what? That that's the thing that sold me. The guys took me over the edge. I'm 100 yeah. percent going to buy this game tomorrow. Like, like fucking Claudia Black's just, in it. You'll be running along through the farm and you'll hear her voice in the background. You're like, yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. And Chloe the Black. other Chloe voice Black. that. Met left me quite happy inside was on the very first like on Earth in the European Dead Zone or Defense Zone or whatever it's friggin' called. Yeah, uh, you get to meet your first uh, NPC there. He's like a sniper, cool guy, and his voice immediately sounded. I was like, that sounds familiar. He's got like a sort of a sort of a British accent, I guess, and he sounded mm-hmm. like a particular character from a game I played recently. And that's okay. because the guy is voiced by a man called Gideon Emery, who was the voice of Balthier from Final Fantasy XII, and I love oh. that guy's voice. He has a great Fuck voice. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah, a lot of great voice actors to sort of drive home the the larger emphasis on, I guess, the talking and the story side of the game. Which is good, because, I mean, Bungie, Bungie do do good stuff with, with story. I mean... Look at the original it, couple of Halos. <laughs> Exactly. Like, I mean, Halo's got a like they got in- interesting stories, especially for their time. Like, they were they were different and interesting and fun, and like they they inspired you to want to go and explore those worlds. And it, it seems like Destiny is the perfect franchise to do that. So to have all this sort of in game story and context seems to be immediately more appealing. Absolutely. And there's one more thing I want to applaud them on. And it's the fact that each of... Well, not, I'm not sure. I can't say this for each of the enemy factions, but at least my time spent fighting the Fallen, for example, they have mm. so much more personality now. That's good. Like, for example, there are some of, the, some of the enemy types that will, like, erratically crawl along on all fours to get around oh. quickly. And I'm just like, whoa, 
that's new. That's cool and new. That's interesting. It's, like the Fallen would just sort of, for guys you shoot on Earth sometimes, but they've, yep. they've got their own thing now, which is great. That's cool. So I was like, you know, because it did feel like, especially with like maybe the Cabal in Destiny 1, they just felt like targets. Yeah. I can't comment targets. on the Cabal yet. I haven't really encountered them properly. Yeah. Well, I mean, from what I've seen in like trailers and stuff like that, and um, and what I played in that that story mission, like the first mission in the beta, um, they already felt like they had a little bit more personality to them, a little yeah. bit more life, which was good. It also helps um, having there's so many more like special enemy types popping up, like guys with the yellow health bars that sort of take right. more more effort to kill, and that again just keeps me engaged as opposed to just I have my my mow through enemies that I shred, and then every now and again this tough guy will pop up, and I'm like, oh yes. You, fun. Uh, another thing it yep. does well is really early on, you'll get your choice of a f- your first exotic. And it's just a great way to give you a taste of like the loot game in Destiny 2. Yeah. Get you in, gets, gets its hook in you because you're like, that looks cool. I guess I'm going to keep playing this game because I want more. I need more of them. Yeah. So what's, what's the rate like in terms of uh, loot drops and things like that? What's... I mean, so it's, far for you. It's early Destiny two, so I, I've only just started picking up blues, like the blue um, uh, okay. rare guns and armor. Yeah. Uh, but I do have two exotics, both that were given as quest rewards. So again, they're just sort of getting the hooks into you, going, "Hey, look at these exotics. They're pretty. They're pretty cool, right? If you keep playing yeah. Destiny, you might get a whole lot more of them. I don't know. Maybe gotta try and get get full tricked out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, look, I, it's I'm good. probably going to pick it up. I think I'm, I'm definitely going to pick it up. It's, the beta really did turn me off. That was the one thing. Like, I mean, if you listen to the episode we did when we had our like most anticipated for the rest of the year, Destiny Two was on mine. I'm pretty sure on my list. But um, uh, since that beta, I was like, yeah, you know what? No, I'm good. I'm good. But hearing everyone talk about it, even like people who played Destiny One like for fucking ever and were, were nuts on it like saying they loved it to people uh, like yourself who I, I probably have more of a uh, an attachment to in terms of my feelings about Destiny 1 as well um, saying yeah it's really good uh, your housemate messaging me tonight with his sweet armor that he got his fucking frilly lacy looking armor piece that he got He's like, with I wings. got this I, yeah with all his wings and stuff and I'm like god damn it yeah. I mean. So his his piece of armor is for a warlock, and it lets him. I'm not sure if you remember or if you even had the exotic in the original Destiny, but let Titans float in the air. Oh, I don't think I had that. No. Oh, okay. Well, it basically that's what this that the this warlock jacket has that uh, that ability. And every time I see him, I get a little bit jealous because I can't do it. Ah, <laughs> like, jeez. Oh, oh man. I've got to figure out which which class I'm going to play. Man, damn it. Yeah, I went Titan again. Uh. Just like, um, I, again, I wasn't feeling him in the beta, but the shield sort of, I don't know if I, maybe I was playing it wrong in the beta, but in the full game, I can be Captain America. So it, it feels better now. Awesome. Oh, that's good. So like that's L1 handy. is your shield, shield throw. Uh, then it goes on a cooldown. It'll bounce off enemies and look hilarious. And your R1 yep. is like a, a dashing shield bash. So cool. It's fun. Awesome. Good but, news. It's good to hear that it's doing well. I mean... Yeah. 
again, I, 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 it's it's easy to be positive with Destiny Two at the gate because again, Destiny One we were right, but I'm feeling a lot more confident that come end game for this for this sequel, I will be happy still. Yeah, it seems like it definitely seems like Bungie have learnt and uh, really taken on board a lot of what people were saying about the original Destiny, and it's like you know like subsequent iterations um and they've really sort of like gone back to the drawing board and retooled everything without changing how the game feels which is good granted i'm still not crazy about them having the expansion pass up for 49.95 already yeah yeah that could be act that could be bungie or it could be more likely activision who knows yeah i don't doubt that that has something to do with good old activision ah activision ugh they, they love their money, don't they? They do, and I guess I can't blame them. Money's pretty yeah, good. Mean, that kind of makes sense, I guess. Uh, but yeah, anything else about Destiny Two you want to uh, you want to hit us with? Uh, I just I am enjoying Nathan Fillion. I love that guy. Oh, it's impossible not to enjoy Nathan Fillion. That guy's amazing. It always makes me like envious of the hunters. I'm like, oh, you get to talk to Nathan Fillion. Damn it. No offense to Vala, you're okay, but Nathan Fillion. <laughs> but because let's go get Gary. <laughs> Do it for puppies. Do it for puppies. God damn. <laughs> Have you seen the Japanese ad for Destiny Two? I haven't. I haven't watched it yet. Watch but it I did after see this it pop up podcast. It's it's a sight. Yeah, I've heard it's pretty cool. Um, I mean, like the even the, the like the like American live action trailer was pretty good. Um, that was directed by Jordan Voigt Rogers or whatever his name is. The guy that directed Kong Skull Island and he's like a massive video game fan uh, and he's apparently working on the Metal Gear movie. Interesting. Yeah, and he had a... There was an article recently, an interview with him and he was like, yeah, we want to do whatever we can to make sure it is like faithful to the the original source material. And I'm like, all right, all right, you seem like you know your shit, so I'm 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 interested. I'm curious because it's always hard to translate what could be a ten hour game or so into like a two hour movie. Yeah, yeah. Even if they follow just the story beats, like, and I, I guess to, it depends which Metal Gear they choose. But all the Metal Gears have pretty deep stories to follow, so yeah, I'm and always I, I, uncertain. Maybe they'll tell like something that we haven't seen yet. Maybe they'll tell us the second half of Metal Gear Solid 5. Oh, um, I doubt Oh, well, geez, we are, we are on the sass wagon. The now, zingers. Oh, oh, wham, bam, left, right, good night. Um, oh boy. Anyway. Um, yeah, I'll go get Destiny tomorrow. I'll, I'll, I'll see you, see you online tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> we can, we can shoot the fallen together just like old times. Done, done. I mean, it sounds good. Cool. All right. What? Well, what? The other two things we've both been playing. Uh, One more than the other, and it'd be, it's surprising <laughs> which way it leans. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, look. It's not to say that like I'm still really enjoying Mario Rabbids. Um, oh yeah, like a lot. It's still a really good game. Uh, it gets frustrating and stuff like that, but I, I haven't felt like overly frustrated with it. I've had a couple of like, oh, well, of course he, um, oh, yep, he's going to come over here and attack. Oh, well, my whole team's dead. Great. Yeah. Like, I've had m- many moments like that, but um, 
I'm still, I think I'm approaching like the third, like final boss fight. Yeah, I'm in like the last, I just got rab- like rabid Yoshi. So I'm sort of just uh, progressing yeah. on from there. Yeah, you're just, you're around that same point I am. That's, um, that's where I was up to as well. Um, still love Peach. So useful. Oh, Peach is so handy. I find that the Peach and Rabid Peach combo is pretty good because Rabid Peach with her heals um, is not too bad and her sentry turret's really good and her weapon's not too bad either. Um, so that that seems to be the combo I've been rolling. Although, like, Luigi is very handy, though. Uh, yeah, Luigi's great as a sniper and, like, I also have his Steely Stare to, like, be oh, used yeah. three times. And oh. it's so good. Yeah. I have I have Mario's up to two, and I think I have Luigi's up to two. So, yeah, it's... when you get those parts, when you put them both on, and they just, like, combo an enemy, like a full health enemy, like, into nothingness. Yeah, like, I've, I've had them yeah. bounce enemies, like, in the sky. So, yep. This is great. Yeah. I love it. I love it. It just, like, switches back between the two of them, just taking pot shots at this fucking poor <laughs> rabbit in the sky. Well, who had no idea what was coming? They was yeah. like, decided to break cover and then got shredded. Yep. Yeah. He's like, I'm starting my turn and oh god, oh oh, oh no, oh god. I've oh, made oh, a I'm mistake. <laughs> yeah, by by just moving. Um But yeah, I'm still really enjoying it. I, I actually I know a lot of people have been saying that like the exploration stuff hasn't really been clicking with them and they haven't been enjoying it that much. I like I it really too. I like it. Yeah. I really like the puzzle. Like, some of the puzzles are really fun. Like, they're I'm not, not... Again, yeah. I'm not crazy about the puzzles, and sometimes, uh, like, when you're moving objects around, the fact that you play as the the Roomba yeah. can make it hard to see what you're actually pushing and which side you're pushing it from. That's but, my one problem, yeah. Yeah, but the exploration itself, it just is... I kind of like it just breaking up the, the battles. Like, what else would you replace it with? Yeah, like, you know, just collecting coins. It's, it's nothing, it's not, like, obnoxious collectible hunting or anything like that. It's just, which is, you know, very, very restrained of Ubisoft. Um, and but, yeah, the, Miyamoto did say to not make a jumping game, so they couldn't exactly put the platforming stuff in there. Yeah, exactly. And it, it doesn't, it feels good. It, it kind of reminds me of that Super Mario RPG, kind of. Yeah. In a way, I, like, I, yeah. I just can't think of an alternative besides picking like the battles from a menu, which would be boring and I would hate. Yeah, it's enjoyable like, going around the map from battle to battle. I really like it. It makes it feel more like a like a lived in world. Like it's it's all connected. So you've got like it, otherwise, like you said, if it would be like picking from a, a series of maps, like all right, cool, this map, I wouldn't be paying much attention to because when I am in those like in the the battles like i'm not paying too much attention to apart from the obvious things i need to pay attention to in the in the map like cover and things like that but i'm not paying attention to like the backgrounds or anything like that yeah i'm not taking time to stop and look around i'm i'm solely focusing on my tactics and how to get through the battle um so yeah it's good that like having those moments to sort of look around and appreciate um you know the surroundings is really cool definitely yeah it's it's just such a good game I'm, I'm so jolly away at it. I'm so surprised. I'm still surprised. It took like it was like best selling game in Australia. I think for this week. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. I think it, it was. It's, it's like the second Switch game to hit the top of the Australian charts as well. It's it's the first Switch game to get number one. Uh, no, I think Mario Kart Eight did. Mm, I feel like Mario Kart Eight got beaten by AFL Live, oh, by Evolution right. or whatever. I, actually, you might be right. Thank you. 
Because um, and because Splatoon got beaten by Crash and Zelda got beaten by Horizon. Right. I think this is the first, which is pretty still impressive because it came out against Uncharted: The Lost Legacy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's such a good game. I'm gonna keep plugging away at it. It's it's great too. Like the storyline. Like I I I'm enjoying the story. It's fun, but it's not. It as soon as I jump back into it, I'm like, oh cool, I remember what I was doing. I remember what was happening here. It's not like super in depth. It's just um, enough. Yeah, it's just enough, and it, it's serviceable and it does its job, which is good. Um, but yeah, it's such a fun game. But the big one, Kyron, that we've been playing. Um, that we've spoken about many, many times throughout the year, I think. It's probably next to, like, Persona and Overwatch. I feel like this is probably the game we've talked about the most this year. It's just um, a game that you can keep coming back to. Oh, absolutely. Again, and saying about my, my point about, um, even though it's a little bit more complex, but, like, about Mario and Rabbids, um, we're, of course, we're talking about Yakuza 0. Um, the brilliant Yakuza 0. Oh. Yakuza Zero is so good, um, but yeah, the fact that, that, that when you come back into it, you sort of after like maybe like twenty minutes or not even that, like five ten minutes, you sort of like, oh cool, I remember what was happening here, and then even some parts that I've forgotten, like I, I've been playing through, and I'm like, like a character will mention something, and I'm like, oh that's right, that was okay, cool. Now that's okay. that's cool. I'm back on the same page again now. Yeah, I like um, that if you just stand still, like Majima or Kiryu, whichever one you're playing as, will be like huh, I need to go and do this, and that's all it takes sometimes to jog your memory. Exactly. Unless, Kyron, unless you get sidetracked by uh, minigames. One minigame in particular that we've been obsessing over <laughs> in the last few weeks, uh, and that is the Cabaret Club uh, minigame. The Cabaret Club minigame is probably my favourite minigame ever. It's definitely my favorite mini game this year, and it's probably yep. one of my favorite mini games ever. I lost a good seven or eight hours just finishing the that story, and yep. I have zero regrets. Oh, I'm I'm like I'm in on it so bad at the moment. Like it's just it's amazing. Um, so for for those of you who haven't played uh, Yakuza Zero or who are not intending to, or maybe um, are interested to hear what this might be about. Basically, uh, at a certain point, one of the characters you play as, which is uh, Goro Majima, um, who runs a successful cabaret uh, in Sotenbori, and he sort of gets himself wound up in the, the new scene of cabaret clubs, which is sort of like smaller, like more compact, uh, uh, streamlined versions of the big thing. And they seem to be the up-and-coming thing uh, at this certain time period. Um so basically you get roped into a place called Club Sunshine that seems to be not doing so well. Uh, and after a series of events, you end up running the place, and uh, which leads to the minigame. Basically, it involves you, uh, for lack of a better word, collecting girls. Um, you you assemb- really like My housemate actually described it as like assembling a, an Avenger-like team of cabaret club girls. Yeah, no, that's, and that's a way to appropriate, put it. really. Like yeah, you beat that seems a club, you get their best girl, and then you go on to beat another club, and you just build your team. Yep, and it's good. I like it. Yep, and then sort of so the way that the actual game itself works is like you you prepare to open. You sort of um, you can do special one on one training with your platinum level hosts, which are the girls you get from the other clubs. 
Um, and also Yuki, who is the the resident girl that's there at, at Club Sunshine when you start. Yes, yeah, um, she is uh, Club Sunshine's best girl. Yes, she is. Um, and constantly getting shafted by, it's, by it's, the other characters. I feel bad. Oh, it's gone to a point where I'm just like, really, guys? Come on. Like, just give I her like a break. Yuki. Yuki's good. She's made us so much money. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, and she's yeah. It's really funny though the, the dynamic they have between these little, um, all the characters that run this club. Um, but so you select your team, which is I think you have eight, ten up to eight, I think. Yeah, eight. Yeah. Um, so you select uh, girls. They all have different stats that you can level up, uh, and different like strengths and weaknesses, I guess. With your platinum girls, you can like make them over, so you can. Uh, yes, you heard correctly. You can go into uh, makeover mode and make them up and look, make them look them pretty. So dresses and change their yep. hairstyle, their makeup, their accessories with an Which incredible backing boost. song. Oh, it's the best! It, I love oh, it. This game is so good. And so then oh. you you open your club for business, and customers come in, and you assign girls to those tables uh, depending on what they're looking for. Uh, in terms of like you know they might want. Um, they might prefer someone who's good at talking. So if someone with a higher talk skill, you'd send them there. Um, but they also might prefer someone who's like funny. So if they've got a higher funny stat and a high talk stat, you'd send them there that you're probably going to get a good customer satisfaction rate back from them. And Um, if you do that, Joel, sometimes you can even get the customers to extend their sessions for more money. Exactly. Yeah. I'm really bad at reading that. Um, it's tough. Like, Sometimes yeah. I, I just wing it, but usually if they're, if they've got like the pink, pretty happy smiley face and they are open to a longer set, like a longer session, you can convince yep. them. I've had, I had one today, no, yesterday when I was playing, I had a poor person oh. um, that was in there. They were like poor. They were super happy. They only wanted a short session. And I was like, I'll just see. Why not? I probably won't because the girl I had was pretty good. She didn't need like a, a recovery or anything. You can you can like thank the girl at the end or give her a present, and it will give her like a like replenish some of her health, basically. Alternatively, um, so when so when the customer leaves, you can give them a gift or mm-hmm. a gracious send off to get more fans for your club, which then helps mm-hmm. you progress against the other clubs. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I had this poor person at. Wanted a short session. He I was really happy gonna, though. I know what you're going to say, I, I think. I was like, I'll just go extend the session, see what Aww. happens. He stayed uh, and spent more money and I felt yeah. really bad. Yeah. Um, that happens to me sometimes as well. I get the poor people come in and they'll spend like a million yen, two million yen. And it begins to, I begin to understand why they're poor. It's because they spend yeah. all their money at cabaret clubs. Yeah, exactly. I am um, preying on them. Yeah. Yeah, we are becoming worse than the five stars of Southern Glory. The darkest Um, timeline. Exactly. Uh, But man, holy shit, this this mini game is just so addictive. And then so you can go out and uh, like partner with businesses that are in the area, so that will increase like the number of fans that you get or that you have in that specific area that you're trying to target. Um, And then so like there are parts where like the girls will call over, call you over to help them uh, if they need some help. And you'll get a list of four options and they'll give you a hand signal. And at first I'm like, how the fuck am I supposed to figure this out? And after about an hour and a half, I already knew all the hand signals. And it's just like, it's like muscle memory now. It's like, I'm super trained to it. I'm like, absolutely. Ah, cool. She's, 
She's doing the L shape. Oh, that means like guess. That means guess glass. Cool, awesome. Right. Doing and a circle with their hands. If ashtray done. To, to take it to the next level, like if you do, so you'd say one of your platinum girls calls you over, and you get the hand signal, and you pick right. There's an incredible like it's like oh. maybe five seconds of a cutscene where Majima yep. will like like bow, put on the table what the customer what like wanted, and then the girl will sort of like wave you away, and like as Majima's walking away, he'll give you a thumbs up. Like yeah, from over it's the like shoulder, over great. the shoulder, thumbs up. It's the fucking best. Oh. I also like it because it basically like Majima is not doing any work there really. Like the girls are doing all the work. Majima's just there to be like, oh, yeah. "Hey, here's what you asked for," and I just I love it. <laughs> it's yeah, it's so good. Um, and even like the storyline that it has, like which is a pretty in depth storyline. Just you wait um, till you, of, when you learn oh. the motivations of like the the main cabaret club. You're like. Whoa, whoa, I did not expect this. This took a turn. I can't imagine it being very, very uh, polite or very... You'll you'll see when you get to it. It it, it surprised me a little. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. It's just, it's so much fun. I'm I'm in like chapter eight of the actual main story. um, And it's a pretty pivotal point as well. Like shit's gone down. um, To, to Majima and, uh, and he's, he's friends that he's sort of, has with him at the moment, but apparently no one seems to care in Sotobori. While while I'm not progressing that storyline, just running the cabaret club day in day in, day night day out. It's like surely the yak the rest the like the yakuza should be like, hey wait a minute, isn't that this club's popped up is run by a guy called Majima? Isn't that the guy we're hunting down? That, and shouldn't we check that out? Not only that, I also love that. Like I found myself. So when you're going to like say partner with a business, you've got to run your ass over there, and guys will try to fight you. And I choose to honestly throw money out instead of fight. I'm like, no, I don't have time to fight. I've got to run my cabaret club. I'll fight you later. Have some money. It'll, it'll distract you, and I'll get to run past you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's yeah. You just make people scramble for your cash on the street. It's great. Exactly. Yakuza Zero is. I can't. It's so good. I. It, I've been using it as a a palate cleanser between big games, which is why I keep coming back to it. And it's working so well. It's good too, because like it, it is a good palate cleanser because it is a hard game to, I think I've said this last week or the week before it's a, it's a hard game to define with a genre. It's sort of a mishmash of so many different things. Like every time you open that game up, you could start it and whatever you may decide to do, like may end up deciding to do in that game at that time might be a completely different genre to something you do two days down the track. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, you can you can run the cabaret club. You can mm-hmm. like in the other characters' mode. You can go bowling. There's the the girl fighting league. There's yep. he has the real estate mini game about buying property and sort of making money off that. And yeah, then, I, I spent a bit oh. of time playing the Japanese cat fights, trying to yeah. trying to get get yeah. money out of that. That was pretty uh-huh. funny. Um, uh, there's the there's the arcades with a couple of like actual arcade games in them. Yeah, because the game's like published by Sega. Like it's all it's all like '80s Sega games. So like Super Hang On, Outrun, um, uh, Space Harrier, and I think there's one more as well. There's the UFO catches as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's I really I really like Yakuza Zero, and Me I too. want to play Kawami so badly. I know, so but I need to draw badly. myself. I need to pull myself away from the fucking cabaret mini game so I can progress the story and finish. 
zero. If I'm going to be honest <laughs> with you, Joel, like when I when I hit the end point for the cabaret game, it was it was sad. I I miss it. I can go back and do it if I want, but I sort of miss it. You miss having the progression, something to work towards. I miss I miss cabaret club. Can we just get like a cabaret club game? Yes. Can we have that? Just give me a fucking mobile game. Chuck it on the app store. I'll pay like five bucks for it. And I will play it until the ends of fucking time. Absolutely. I would too. I, oh, I have the, say I have, it. Do that. I have the uh, the Sunshine Fever song stuck in my head that plays when you build up your <laughs> your fever bar. <laughs> and seeing all the happy, happy faces and like all the money flying. And it's, oh, it's oh, so yeah. good. It's like flashing lights and everything. It's like, yeah. it, it's like the purest form of like just appealing to all the senses. Like it's like... Oh, I'm doing good things. I'm getting rewarded for pressing buttons. Like, it's... Yeah. I love it so much. Yakuza 0 is a game that keeps surprising me. Uh, Me too. It's so... Yeah. When I think, I'm like, okay, I've got a good handle on on this game and how it's supposed to be. Um, And then it just fucking zags on me and then gives me the old uh, one-two punch. Alrighty. Uh, I think it's time we moved on from the uh, the the antics of the Japanese mafia and move into some news. It sounds, uh, it's been it sounds a like a quiet good, week. A good plan, Joel. But I just want to—I'll miss you, Cabaret Club. As we move into news, I will miss you. Yeah, me too. Maybe uh, Sunshine uh, Fever forever. Alrighty. So yeah, like I said, it's been a bit of a slow news week this week. Um, We've got a couple of things here that we might uh, we might touch on a little bit. One's pretty First fresh, things, Joel. Yeah, like literally before we started recording. Um, and it's pretty exciting, actually. It's, yeah, it's Long cool. rumoured. Um, so Alain Noir is coming to the PS4, Xbox One, the Nintendo Switch, and a very special mode, uh, a very special edition of it coming to HTC Vive in VR. Um. So these are going to be completely, like, well, not completely remastered. Are they? I, I assume the PS4 and Xbox One versions will be remastered. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to be sort of, you know, touched up, made made to look nice and spiffy. I would assume that the, the Vive one too would be as well to make it sort of more um, VR-y, if that's a word. It's yeah. not. I just made it up. They're specifically called, like the 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 Vive one is specifically called La Noire, the VR case files. So I think it's actually got potentially new stuff in it. Yeah, so I know. So here it says uh, the 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 VR case files for HTC Vive delivers seven of the original engrossing self-contained cases from the from La Noire rebuilt oh. specifically for virtual reality. So there's wow. seven cases from the original one that they've made cool. specifically for VR. Yeah, that's really awesome. It's awesome. Um. Yeah, I, it's coming to the Switch. Like, I liked L.A. Noir. It was fun. I, um, I thought it was good. It was a, it was a fun game. Um, Had a lot of Mad Men, the, act- Mad Men actors in it that I loved. Yeah, yeah. Um, it also had Rusty. It did have Rusty. Um, and it also had bad car controls. It did have bad car controls. Um, but it seemed appropriate for the time. Those cars probably wouldn't have handled very well. Um, and the facial, like, the facial animation stuff was... It's impressive. It is. It's still impressive. Um, it can be a little janky sometimes. Like, I do wonder how that's actually aged as well. Yeah, I'm intrigued. Um, it's definitely something. It comes out when I'm in Japan. I just looked at the release date for it, but 
Um, so I probably won't be getting it until probably at Christmas or after. But uh, I'm definitely interested in going through it again because it was fun sort of walking around that like 1940s uh, like Los Angeles setting which was really, uh, a lot of fun to explore. Um, the cases were pretty good as well, even if I did end up yeah. misreading a, a slight facial twitch some, sometimes just completely wrong. Yeah, well, like like I said, like there, there were some times where it, it worked really well, where you actually had to sort of pay attention to what they were doing. There were other times where their eyes were like obviously darting around, going, "I don't, I, I don't know what you're talking about, sir. Like you must have the wrong person." And they're like fucking looking around everywhere, like they're looking for the next hit of crack. Um, it's yeah. So, I, I, like you said, I'd, I'd be interested to see how that that kind of stuff. Uh, if it's aged well or not. Because um, when was the original released? Oh, good question. Uh, it was a while ago. Oh, yeah, definitely a long while ago. Let's just have a, a quick Google ago. of L.A. Noir. Yep. Do that. Do that shit. Um, original release was May 17th, 2011. So it's been over six years now. Yep, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, uh, the thing that I find most exciting is the fact that Nintendo are once again, like, sort of doing a bit of a deal with Rockstar. That makes me happy. Yeah, well, so the Switch version will include all the DLC, much like the, uh, the PS4 and Xbox One versions will have it also mm-hmm. has enhancements for a Joy-Con mode with gyroscopic gyroscopic gesture based controls, mm-hmm. HD rumble, Joel. Oh yes, get that HD rumble and new wide and over the shoulder camera angles plus contextual touchscreen controls for portable detective work. I love I love the term for portable detective work. Yeah. That makes me so happy to hear. I'm curious um, as to what that'll mean. Does that mean you can, maybe you can like touch on points in the screen when you're on the go instead of like? Yeah, it, like, I yeah. don't know. It's been so long since I played La Noir. Like I'm trying to think of moments where that would be like applicable. But I mean, it's it's cool that they're adding that. That's kind yeah. of fun. Um, and like the the PlayStation Four and Xbox One will be in, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, they'll play natively in 1080p for the PS4 and Xbox One, uh, and they'll be in 4K for PlayStation Pro, uh, PlayStation 4 Pro and Xbox One, which is uh, very exciting uh, if you've got one of those and the TV to look at it. Um, We're getting a Rockstar game on Switch, Joel. That's happening. I know. That's awesome. I, I feel... Almost as ex- about the same amount of excitement that I felt when I heard Chinatown Wars was coming to the DS. It seems like an impossible partnership that has come true, which is interesting. Um, well, I mean, the more yeah. the Switch makes in profits and sales, like the harder it is to ignore. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you, you're gonna you're gonna have want to have um you're gonna have these developers wanting to have their games running on it, which is great. So good. Um, yeah, it's very cool. I like the the poster for it as well, uh, which I'm assuming maybe will be the box art. I don't know, but um, so good. Uh, I'm excited to see to see it and go through it again and um and see what happens. And here's the thing. But yeah, 
even though it had, it had been rumored for so long, I think it was oh, like yeah. since at least the start of a year when all the Switch leaks were happening, I didn't believe it. Not because of the Switch version, just because I didn't think Rockstar would put out LA Noire again. No, God, no. I given, didn't think it was possible for them, yeah. Given the stuff that happened with, yeah, with was Bondi, the developers? Yeah, Team Bondi. Team yeah. Bondi, yeah. Given what happened there, I was just like, maybe they're just going to forget about it. But here we Which, are. Like, yeah, like, obviously, I, I, obviously I, I would have been, like, understanding of that. Like, well, yeah, if that makes sense. Like, of course, we're not going to get L.A. Noir or a sequel or anything like that. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, who knows? Like, maybe the in-house... There might be a smaller team at Rockstar that, if this game does well, they'll work on a sequel for it. Um, Maybe Rockstar. Rockstar has their plate full at the moment with Red Dead. They do, but I mean, who fucking knows with those guys? True, <laughs> but they could do anything. Like I didn't expect this to happen. They're so bloody wild card. So who knows? Yeah, um, but exciting nonetheless. Get your nineteen uh, forties detective work on again, which would be fun. Yeah, especially if you've never if you never tried Alone Noir. It's definitely an interesting sort of game. Again, I'm curious to see how it's aged, but at the time I had a good time with it. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it as well. And um it'd definitely be something I'll pick up again, especially for the Switch. Like that's yeah, for sure. Um and I because I didn't play the DLC or anything like that with it no, either, so it'd be good to sort of go through that. Um I completely forgot it had DLC. Yeah, me too. To be honest. Uh but and yeah, that'd be fun. I mean, L.A. Noire was one of those games that once I finished it, I not in a bad way, but I sort of forgot it. I had played it. It sort of slipped from my mind after that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't remember what came out around the same time in 2011, but it's probably something that sort of outshone it. Yeah. Uh, no doubt. But, uh, yes. Uh, all right, so this next one's all you, Kyron, because I've only played a little bit of the demo of this game, and that was enough. It's more than enough, Kyron. Oh, Joel. It's more than enough. So, Resident Evil 7, uh, potential Game of the Year candidate that came back what feels like ages ago, back in January. There's been that many good games that to think about Resi 7 coming out in January, that's insane to me. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's nuts. It it kicked off the, the fucking crazy year that we've had. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there will be a gold edition of Resident Evil 7 coming this December for PC, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. Still no Switch, Capcom. Come on, guys. Mm, surely. Uh, eventually, I, I say it's inevitable at this point, but who knows? It's Capcom. They're, they're crazy fucking people. Resident Evil, Resident Evil 4 was running on, like, a fucking graphics calculator. Like, they, yeah, they, that's going to come shortly. Uh, but yeah, so the biggest news is the gold edition coming out is cool. It, it, it's sort of it's serving as a game of the year edition because it'll include both the DLC packs, band footage, volume one and two, which I never played, but I heard really good things about them. Yep. Uh, it also includes the long-awaited and delayed DLC, which I guess spoiler tags. If you haven't finished Resident Evil Seven, you've had your time. Is called Not a Hero. And sees a player taking up the role of Chris Redfield. Yes, the Chris Redfield of Resident Evil One and ooh, Five, and some of Six, and he may have been in 
Nemesis. No, I think it was a Nemesis. I think he may have been in Code Veronica. I can't quite remember. It's been mm-hmm. a while, but he's he's been around the block, and he was, again, spoilers, at the end of Resident Evil 7. And the DLC seems like it'll be focused on him, which is exciting because I want to see how Capcom's going to spin that. Because Chris Redfield didn't exactly look like Chris Redfield at the end of 7. No, and because he... I've watched the end cutscene that yeah. Chris Redfield's in. He, the way he introduces himself, he isn't as. He's a, he, he's um like, is it Commander Redfield or something like that? Oh, something like that. It's it's weird because he, I mean, facially, obviously, he doesn't look like Chris Redfield, but also his no. arms are of the normal proportion. Yeah, yeah, he's not a fucking tank. Yeah, um, and Capcom have, have constantly confirmed that no, this is Chris Redfield and blah blah blah. And I'd buy it, and I don't... Honestly, I do think it is just Chris Redfield. It just feels especially weird when around the same time that Resident Evil 7 was coming out, they were promoting that new CG movie. I think it was Resident Evil Vendetta or something. I think it was, yeah. Yeah, but it had Chris Redfield in it. But he looked like he'd looked in Resident Evil 5 with his ridiculous cantaloupe-sized arms. And yeah. it was so conflicting. I'm like, which is the real Chris Redfield now? I'm having a crisis. <laughs> Do you think, though, that this, this Not A Hero DLC, the reason why it's been delayed so much is they're trying to... Re- they were maybe even sitting on it for a little while to see how this game has sold, been received critically and publicly, um, and to see, because you're playing as Chris Redfield, this might be the jumping-off point for the, the, the next iteration in the franchise? I mean, maybe. The, the Resident Evil series sort of goes through phases. We had one... 2, 3, and Co-Veronica. So I guess Co-Veronica is a weird one. But 1, 2, and 3 were fixed camera, survival horror, bam. Then you had 4, 5, and 6 with the over-the-shoulder action survival horror gameplay. Co-Veronica was like a bridge mm. of the two. It had the fixed cameras, but was also more action-focused. And now we've come to Resident right. Evil 7, which takes us into first-person survival horror again. More traditional than the action ones, but with the camera, being, you being the camera instead of a fixed one. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we do get an 8 and 9 going forward from this, that play like this. Well, and that, that, that sort of leads me to the next part of this question as well. Like, because Chris looks so different, do you think maybe this is not necessarily a reboot, but like a alternate universe? I, I guess they wouldn't describe it as that, but it's like, all right, this is nothing to do with like anything that happened in one to six, it's called seven, but it is from here on out. This is the, the the arc that we're going with. It's so weird, Joel, because there are nods to the other Resident Evil games in seven. Right. Like there's a picture of the mansion in the Arclay mountains. I was like, Oh, that's, uh, that's an okay. awesome little nod. Yep. Is this game? And like, they allude to the fact that the man, the, the, I guess it's a, it's not really a mansion, but the large house you are in, there's hints that it may have been designed or at least uh, the designer of the original Spencer mansion may have contributed to how this thing was thrown together. There are so many things here and there that you don't quite know. A reboot, I wouldn't blame them because six was just a disaster. It was a train wreck. (laughs) I I still think about picking up Resident Evil 6 and just look at myself and go, why? Why did I do that? (laughs) Why did I do that to myself? It wasn't... It wasn't good. It was a mess. 
even looking back, like I remember complaining about Resident Evil 5 after I finished it, but looking at 6 makes me long for another Resident Evil 5. Just please. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if either if this was... Because this game has done very well. Um, yeah. Un- what... Understandably so. It's It's done very well. I don't remember if it met Capcom's sales expectations, but even just through yeah. like word of mouth on the internet, there's been so much positive buzz around the fact that Capcom finally made a survival horror Resident Evil again. After Again, I know that some people really like the action horror stuff, but by 6, I was just done with it. I didn't care anymore. 4 was really good. Four, 4 was a good game. 4 was good. 5 was okay, and then 6 was like, what if we put them all in one game and it's a dumpster fire? And oh. yeah. yeah. 4 uh, was a good game because it was a game that I could play um, without I, wanting to curl into a ball and cry. I also wonder, on some level, if maybe Capcom haven't known what to do with this, the story of the series post-Wesker as well. Like, Wesker was kind right. of the big bad that the first five games hinged on and once he was wiped out we got six with all this other stuff going on that never felt interesting or cool so maybe that that maybe this this not a hero dlc will maybe usher in a uh, a new big bad for the the series here on out potentially and good luck if it tries because there's a huge shoes to fill like Mm. i miss wesker he was cool I appreciate that they wanted to kill him. I always respect when a, a series wants to kill a villain, but they really yep. screwed up how they killed Wesker. It was god awful. But yeah, they did fuck that up. But and, and, and like you said, it is big shoes to fill. But I mean, we've seen different different strokes though. Like, but I mean, with Naughty Dog, we we were like, we weren't sure about how a uh, a an Uncharted game would work without Nathan Drake, and they did it. They did it very well. So. True. Um, the fact the fact that that uh, that Capcom have pulled Resident Evil Seven out and done this whole like first person camera thing and made it work and made it interesting and and brought back a lot of people maybe that have been I don't know turned away from the series for a long time. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they're gonna you know if they pulled it off. Absolutely. The, the only difference for me there is I ha- I would say I have more faith in Naughty Dog's ability to do that as opposed to Capcom's. Just because Naughty Dog, they're good at that. They're good at the character thing. But Capcom, yeah. like especially for Resident Evil, a lot of the new guys that were in 6, I couldn't stand. And in 7, the new yeah. characters were okay. But I wasn't there for the characters. I was there for the scares. So right. I... I'm more optimistic. I mean, no, not optimistic. Cautiously optimistic that they might be able to pull something <laughs> off. Uh, yeah. At the same time, though, if they like, if they bring back Wesker all of a sudden, I'll be pretty unhappy as well because have the courage to yeah. move forward, guys. So it's tough. Yeah. It's like we we get like it's hard because you hear those fans that are out there that are like, "Why did you do this to Wesker? Rah, rah, rah. Bring you should bring him back." If you actually do that. That, that that's not actually what those people want. Um, they they want something to give them the same excitement as they they felt when they were facing off with Wesker in all those previous games. So, um, yeah, if you were to just sort of take the cheap, easy way out and go, oh, it's Wesker again, everyone would be like, nah, get out of here. 
Exactly. But that's not all, Joel. That's not all. Mm. The Resident Evil 7 Gold Edition will now also launch alongside a new piece of DLC that no one had even heard of called oh my God. Uh, The End of Zoe. Right. So Zoe was a character in Resident Evil 7. Obviously, she was the main character's significant other, I guess is the best way to put it. Things happen throughout the game and you learn that maybe she wasn't who she claimed she was. And End of okay. Zoe seems to deal with her facing off against new enemies and explore new swamp-filled areas. Great, can't wait for that. <laughs> and seemingly, yeah, deal with other parts of the, the story, which is interesting. I it, it could be they're getting ready to build off of this into a new arc, I guess, of the world. It does seem like it. It does feel like it. Yeah, so that comes with the Gold Edition, I'm pretty sure. And separately, that DLC will cost fifteen ninety nine on its own. So that's that's good value. Resident Evil 7, yeah. the two banned volumes, and End of Zoe, plus the free Not a Hero DLC, that's a good package. And it also comes, if you've got the season pass for Resident Evil 7 as well, it's also included yes. in that, I think. Which again, now so... that becomes a bonus for the season pass owners. Exactly, yeah, like, the, you know, it's an extra little bit of D, uh, DLC that they get to play through, which is awesome. Yeah, uh, I'm not usually a fan of DLC, but, I don't know, at this point, I'm just ready to go back to Resident Evil 7, so I'll probably look into this. Yeah, uh, I won't, but I'm you excited sure? for you. Nope. Do you want, do you want, nope. do you want my do you want my copy of Resident Evil 7 when I buy gold? Nope. No, no, I'm good. You sure? Um, I'm you sure? Good. I can, I can like, I'm so good. I can post it to you or something, or I'm like, I'm super good. Like, I'll, um, I'll I'm... tell you what, I'll bring it down during packs and I'll just put it in your PS4 for you. That's no, that's fine. You sure? That's, I'll, that's I'll okay. do it. It's okay. I'll do it. Yeah, you Don't can worry. do that Don't because worry. like a, a week later I'll be off to Japan and I'll have my Switch and I'll have Mario Odyssey and I'll be having a jolly old time with that. So cool. I'll, I'll try to set. Sure, I'll try do to get... it. Set up your PS4 to like fully patch and like update, and I'll try and find a good Resi theme for you, and it'll be all good to go when you get back. Mm, yep, great, good, good. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Recently, oh. I was getting notifications about like it's been a year since I posted those videos um, of me playing the demo, and it still makes me so sad on the inside the fact that I put myself through that. But Resident, I, I Capcom, I have to applaud you for pulling off Resident Evil Seven. I, I could really yeah. go for Resident Evil Seven again right now, actually. But I don't have time. I don't like, have time. I don't have time. Yeah. <laughs> like I get it, and I, I'm super excited. I'm super excited for the people who are into it, like yourself. Like I'm so excited that it's it's a good game and it turned out all right. I just I can't do it. I can't do it. It's like everyone talking about like Stephen King's It at the moment. They're like. Yeah, we're gonna go see it. And I'm like, no, not no. Oh, I don't want to be near that cinema. I'm seeing it this weekend. I'm pretty keen. Oh no! I've, again, I've heard it's really good, and a lot of people are really impressed by it. Great, fantastic, go nuts! I'm gonna go watch some more Ghibli films. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna watch lovely, happy Japanese Disney, and I'm gonna have a jolly old time with it. Which is fine. That's uh, completely reasonable. Yeah. Yep. That's good. Good news. Um, <laughs> all right. So, our last little bit of news that we got this week is a news story that will probably surprise no one. It's um, it's it's not even, it's like it's sort of a tease as well. But I want to use this as like a jumping off point for something. 
yeah, all right. So um, over the weekend at PAX West, um, they had their uh, Inside Gearbox software panel, which they do at pretty much every fucking PAX they go to, uh, which is all of them, because uh, we've been to one of them, which was yes, two we... years ago now. It was a good one, though. We got the season pass for Tales from the Borderlands for nothing. We certainly did, yeah, before the game had even come out. And I was like, I was going to buy this, but fucking great. I will take this. I'll take I will it. Use it. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Um, but yeah, so during uh, the, the PAX West panel, uh, Randy Pitchford, CEO of Gearbox Software, had a little bit of a tease for the audience. He said that uh, basically that um, about 90% of... Of Gearbox is working on something. Uh, what was it? Uh, working on the thing that I think most of you guys want us to be working on. So he didn't specifically say that it was uh, that it was Borderlands Three, but I think it's pretty fucking safe to say that it's Borderlands Three. All you really have um, to do is like open a thread for Battleborn or check a video for Battleborn and look in the comments or anything Battleborn related to see what people want, and it's obviously Borderlands 3 and he he I, he's saying that he must know that that's what people want yeah look I'm one of those people I fucking want that game I really want that game um okay so here's the thing Joel okay Gearbox haven't had a great few years no they haven't how I mean besides just slapping Borderlands throw in a box like is there anything they should do do you think when they're when they're making this game like what should they learn from their mistakes uh, because a lot of the humor I was seeing in battle in Battleborn or specifically in the demo I guess because I didn't play, I didn't play the full version because why would I I had Overwatch uh, a lot of the humor that's very true just seemed I don't know. I didn't. I wasn't finding it funny anymore. I loved Borderlands Two. It's worth saying. I thought that game was great. But do I they need to do something it. more. Um, they seem to think that they do. Because I mean, good. Pitchford said before that like we we don't want to do Borderlands Three. This was a couple of years ago now, but he's like, we don't want to do Borderlands Three until we we feel comfortable that we're taking it to like that next level. Um, I mean. Off the top of my head, the, the 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 obvious choice would be getting off Pandora and going planet to planet. That'd be cool. Like ha- having a couple of different planets that you travel to, um, which that they kind of like you sort of do a little bit in the pre sequel by going from Pandora to the moon. But I mean, you're just going. You do that at the start, and then you're on the moon for the rest of the game. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm interested to see. Weirdly enough, I'm interested to see storyline-wise where they're going to go post-Handsome Jack. Yeah, um, well, because pre-sequels tease at the end is pretty exciting when you consider the, uh-huh. the the options they could go with. Even Tales from the Borderlands as well is yes. um, like that. That all that stuff that seems to be building towards something so um, something quite big, which is great. Um, so I was, apparently Mikey Newman's still taking care of the writing for the game, which Mikey Newman is, uh, he does movies with Mikey on YouTube. He does like, uh, like video essays on films and TV shows. Um, I've watched a few of them. He's very good. Um, he was diagnosed with, I think multiple sclerosis earlier on this year or something like a really, really fucking bad chronic illness. And he left 
Gearbox, so I don't know if he's still working there or if he's still writing this game. So I hope he is because he's very good. Um, and it, there's big shoes to be filled by Anthony Birch, who wrote one of the main writers for um, for Borderlands 2 and Tales from the Borderlands, who was, like, nailed it. Um, but, yeah, I'm... I just, I just want more shooting and looting. I, I really do in that, that world. I, I, I love that world so much. That's fair. Do you think a new Borderlands game will take hues from Destiny? Like Destiny has sort of become the shoot and loot game this generation for sure. I would say that's true. That's very true. I wouldn't be surprised to be honest because it seems to be everyone wants to get in on that um, social uh, first person shooter gameplay because we've got EA coming out with Anthem next year. So yeah. Like everyone's getting in on that, so I, I would be very surprised if Gearbox wasn't trying to muscle in on that. And that um, just makes me f- wonder if we'll be playing as certain Vault Hunters anymore, or like making a character. Like it, they could go to strange places with Borderlands Three, and that's sort of what I want. I think. Yeah, I kind of don't want like make your own character. I like having the characters because the I I. Me personally, I like the characters in Borderlands. Full stop. The Borderlands franchise, like I like those characters. That, for better or worse, they're they're fun to interact with. They're dumb. Some of them you love to hate. Like it's, it, they're all they've all got great personality, and that's what draws me back as well. Apart from the shooting and looting, but see, I feel like the the Borderlands one characters had the advantage of getting to become characters in Borderlands two. Meanwhile, the Borderlands 2 cast, I was like, I loved playing as Zero. Zero was cool. But I yep. don't know what his character is. <laughs> That's true. I guess I, I guess the most exciting part about 2 was, like you said, those original cast members. But also the secondary cast. Like yeah. people like, um, like fucking Tiny Tina. And that's why it's, I think mm. I, could, I could reconcile with make a character. If like, because the cast is there really like the vault hunter you play as like all you got out of him really at most was some quips here and there that's true yeah that's very true i'm not saying they have to do create a character i'm just if they're gonna if they consider the destiny route i feel like create a character works better or do you think maybe alternatively we just get to pick from a bunch of vault hunters like all the the fucking leftover ones that they didn't use for uh, Battleborn, <laughs> it'll be a, a hero shooter destiny, hero shooter oh. hero shooter MMO. Oh, I don't know how I feel about that. Let's make my skin crawl a little bit. Um, yeah, it's not a good I, feeling. I'm all for look. I know I, I'm pretty sure I've said this before, but like I, I'm all for innovating and I'm all for pushing the boundaries and doing new things, all that sort of stuff. Really, when it comes down to it, I just want more Borderlands I just want more of that like I I would be happy with that I know some people wouldn't be and I totally get that but I just want more of that with more story from that world and exploring Pandora and and the Vault Hunters and the, the various various vaults that seem to be uh appearing I definitely so, want more vaults oh yeah and I think like you said spoiler alert for borderlands but that's alluded to at the end of the last however many games that we've done yeah um, was it was it pre-sequel or was it tales i don't remember honestly 
I think they mentioned it in Tales. I think like it's definitely in pre-sequel. I think it's even in the end of two, maybe. Maybe I. It's been so long now. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely in Tales as well because you see like Fiona and uh, and Reese like seeing the map and then go, them deciding to team up. I think so. I also want um, to see how Gearbox would go about topping Handsome Jack as a bad guy because he exactly. he was the reason I got through so much of Borderlands Two and why I was ready to jump in at at the very beginning for the pre sequel and Tales because I'm like yes Jack more Jack gimme yeah absolutely um well this is it's almost like how uh, like you were talking about resident evil with wesker like yeah there's some big shoes to fill but i'd like to say that i have faith in gearbox but as you said like they haven't had the greatest track record over the last couple of years it's been a rough couple of years which sucks because i yeah like i said i really like borderlands 2 we played a lot of borderlands 2 we played a lot of borderlands 2 talking about this now i'm missing my copy of handsome jack collection I'm, i am as well actually i'm heavily tempted to go and buy it again because it's it's gotta be cheap just be mad at those xbox one guys who got it as one of their free games oh god yeah i should check the actually i might even check the digital store because that'd be a good game to have digitally it was like, going um, cheap a few weeks ago like really cheap. yeah it's like and it's good too because it's got split screen co-op as well it's true Oh man, that game! Oh, I fucking love Borderlands so much. I really do. I get, I get, I can see why it, you like. Some people might not like it. I totally get that. I just fucking love it so much. It's just such a. It ticks so many boxes for me. Yeah, like the only thing that I keep thinking about is, like, a Borderlands three, post how much I've enjoyed playing the likes of Destiny and Overwatch, even like just. Yeah, yeah, or even like you know things like the the, the little bit of time I spent with like the division and yeah. and what Anthem seems to be like as well. I mean, we're in. It's going to be hard to see what the, what cues they pull from, um, because Borderlands when it came out was kind of unique. Yeah, it was like I remember the original like when we first were hearing about Borderlands, it sort of sounded like Fallout. Yeah, yep, and then. Screw that! What if we did something weird and interesting? And bam, Borderlands exploded into existence. Exactly, um, with its eighty-seven bazillion guns. Um, too many guns. Too many guns. I love it. But Half 80, the guns. There, in the sequel, there was 80, 87 bazillion more. Um, ah, too many guns. <laughs> I remember. I remember when I first really heard about Borderlands. I'd seen a trailer or something like that, and I'm like, "That looks kind of cool." Uh, but your housemate was back when he was working in the game store. I uh, had went. He went to like the, the the convention for their their company wide convention to see what the new games that were coming out and stuff like that, and um, he sort of I think he said he went hands on with it and gave it a go. And I remember we were at a cast party for a play that I was doing at the time, and he was telling me about it. And I'm like, this sounds fucking amazing. Um, and then it came out, and it was it was awesome. I looking back on it now, it's it's definitely not aged well compared to something like Borderlands 2. Um, but I had so much fun with Borderlands. Joel, um, we drove around for hours trying to find a copy of Borderlands to rent. <laughs> we did. I was just trying to think if that was the game we did that for, and it, it was. It was yes. absolutely Borderlands. Yeah, we're like, oh, because I knew I was going to buy it that week when I got when I hit payday because I didn't have enough to buy it outright. I was like, I'm going to buy it, obviously. I'm clearly buying it. But I was like, oh, I just want to play it this weekend because we were like... 
we were hanging out at your house and we're like, we could play split screen. Like we could play, you know, team up and play a little bit. And yeah. No, no one had it. No one had it, Joel. Remember game rentals? Game rentals, man. Holy shit. I mean, they're kind of coming back to EB Games, but... Yeah, sort of, I guess, if that, if that yeah. program leaves South Australia. Yeah, exactly. But uh, no, I just want more Borderlands. Give me that... I know that recently Telltale said that don't hold your breath for a season two of Tales from the Borderlands. That actually breaks my heart a little bit. Telltale has um, so much in their play because they said a similar thing for Game of Thrones. Like, it's yeah. on hiatus. And I was like, no, but please, maybe. I know. Just, just, just do just a second want... season. Maybe just get back Ellie Dorma so Marjorie Tyrell can live on forever. <laughs> and it's all good. It's all good, guys. Don't even worry about the rest of it. Just do that. Don't worry about Don't worry about TV canon. It's fine. No, fuck um, TV canon. That's, that, that's not... <laughs> it's dead to you, quite literally. TV canon is dead to me. Died um, to me in season six. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I. that's probably the last thing I'd be interested to see what they could do. In these other spin-off games and whatnot, we've had so many, been introduced to so many different characters and things like that as well, and so many great characters. Like, I'd, I'd love to see how they'd incorporate, like, Reese and Fiona into a Borderlands 3, or, say, probably, like, Springs and Janie, like Janie Springs, how they incorporate her. Um because she's probably not in a great way after pre-sequel. Yeah, I imagine not. No, no, because we and we know for certain that again, spoilers for pre-sequel. I know for Tales from the Borderlands, there's certainly one character that's not going to be coming back. Um oh, who is it, Joel? <laughs> catch you red. I still can't believe they let you do that to oh, that character. Good. I was like, "Oh, it, oh it's okay. nuts." Yeah. See you space it, cowboy. It, it, oh. It actually broke my heart, like, I because like Scooter, he's a dumb character, but like, it was heartbreaking seeing him. <sighs> he got to be a hero though, Kyron. It's tell Telltale man, Telltale somehow do fucking, this. They they're do fucking this. ruthless. That's why, like, I say that when, when I was talking about Guardians, I say I'm like pretty safe that like certain that everyone's gonna be safe. But you don't know. I, no, I I did play. I don't know if I talked about. it. I played episode three. It was really good. Um, yeah. Oh, mm. there were some points where I was like, I don't know how this is going to play out, but, um, but yeah, but yeah, moral of the story is more Borderlands. Give me Borderlands three, please. Yeah. I, like I said, I'm not, I'm not doubting it is going to be good. I'm just interested to see where they take the Borderlands series in a post all these other games world. And also mm-hmm. with Gearbox's reputation, especially yeah. after Battleborn and, like Duke Nukem and Alien and Alien, yeah, and just some of the stuff around Randy Pitchford in general, and he like yeah, like yeah, it's, I just, know, it's 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 gonna be interesting. Yeah, I look, I am very excited for it. I I would be very surprised if we didn't see something announced at E3 next year. I I mean, don't ever rule out like a tease at the Game Awards. Oh, that could be the big Game Awards one, couldn't it? Get, game boards are getting close. They're getting close. Yeah, to mere months away. We get like, uh, look, we get like a shot of like we pan up on a road, a car drives past and hits a skag, and then fade to black, and then the, the number three in like the Borderlands font. Yeah, that's, that's all, all I need. Yeah, that's what it'll probably be, and and that's so, all I need. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Yeah. All right, Karen. Let's round out this this uh, bad boy with some uh, some tasty, tasty questions from our listeners. I do like uh, questions. 
I do too. We've had some really good ones. We have. I know we say that every week, but we really have had some good questions. And this week is no exception. Uh, first of all, we have Lauren from the OK Games podcast and OK Games website. Uh, go and check out all their wonderful, 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 wonderful things. Uh, OKGames.com.au, I think is their website. Uh, if you search for OK Games podcast, uh, you'll find their podcast on your podcast service of uh, choice. Um and they also do another podcast called Filthy Casuals, which is their sort of like spawn from them talking about other things in their podcast. So they try to save all their everyday stories and random thoughts for another podcast called Filthy Casuals, which is also a really good listen to. It's a nice one to have on in the background and just sort of um, have a giggle to. Um, they're usually having a few drinks while they do that, which is always fun. Um, we are... Yeah, hopefully doing some more things with them in the future, potentially. We've still got to organise that. Um, I've been talking to Josh, so we'll we'll hopefully be doing some more things with them. Um, part three of their Hitman gameplay came out as well a few weeks ago. So if you want to see me be bad at video games, um, go and watch that. Uh, such, such, but, such good salesmanship right there, Joel. Oh, yeah, seriously. It's, it, it's entertaining, to say the least. That's probably the best way to describe it. Um, so Lauren asks us, what are your opinions on early access games? Um, I'm, I'm okay with them. They're done well, uh, which doesn't seem to be happening all that much lately. Yeah. I, mean, I was going to say there, are, there are right ways to do it and I, there are wrong ways to do it. Yeah. I mean, one of the right ways and one of the, the, the ones that is, clearly worked in the recent memory is uh is PUBG. Player I was, was going to say exactly that. <laughs> yeah, um which is a shame we don't talk a lot about or at all really about PUBG because we don't play it. I'd like to. I'd like to give it a go. Um because it seems like the type of game that once you play it, you sort of get it and it's you 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 sort of in on it and you go I I understand why people are going nuts about playing this game. Um but uh, the other side of it too is that it's fun to watch. Like it's great to watch people play that game. Um, it's it's entertaining to watch the people play that game. If they're good, bad, it doesn't matter. It's it's entertaining. Um, so that's probably a, a good way. And, and I think that turnaround was about maybe like four or five months in early access from when it launched. Yeah, because um, it, it's just gone full release, hasn't it? Or is it still? Ooh, I think I think it's still in early access at the moment. I think it's full mm. release is still coming up. It might be when the Xbox yeah, One version comes out. Mm. Hey, um, uh, can we get a PS4 version after that, please? Yes, yes, yeah, yes. fucking lootly. I will buy that game. I, I, I would play that. Um, like we, it, oh, it'd be so much fun just to squad up and play. But it's also good too because it has such a good. You can play that game single player. It's a multiplayer single player game. If that makes sense, like it's it's built to play solo. Um. But yeah, so I think it's probably a good example of that. Short turnaround time from the early access to full release um, and having the game actually work and work well. I mean, because I, I think this week it, it just clicked over. They made $10 million. Well, I mean, they've got, I think it was, yeah, 10, 10 million sales or players active or something. 10 million sales, yeah. It 10 was good. Sales. $10 million is not, that doesn't sound right at all. Yeah, I was gonna, um, $10 million doesn't sound like much not at all lot. in game um, development. <laughs> No, no. I think yeah, I think you might be right. Ten million players. Um 
Uh, and apparently they're trying to gun for League of Legends title of like most concurrent users, which is I reckon they could not, do it. Like this game yeah. is it keeps getting more popular. It's wildfire. It is spreading like wildfire. It's nuts. Um so yeah, I think that yeah, that's probably another important thing too is having an a, a catchy hook that makes you go, "All right, I'm interested enough to sort of go I understand this game's not fully done yet, so I can overlook the small like the shortcomings that it will have in the months leading up to its full release whenever that may be. Um but it the game is just so good in its state that it is now that I'm excited to see where this goes and by paying for this game now, I'm helping the developers make it what they want it to be. Yeah, I I don't know exactly how the process for, for PUBG has gone, but I think for early access, the thing that matters most to me is having some sort of a timeline. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some an sort exa- of roadmap that, yeah. Yeah, an example of, like, maybe, I, I don't want to sound like a jerk saying this, but not maybe not necessarily a bad early access game. But recently I watched the launch trailer for Ark Survival Evolved, which just went full oh. retail version and it's out of early access now. Mm-hmm. I dare you to watch that launch trailer and explain to me what the hell that game is because I had no idea. And I know what Ark is, but watching that trailer, I was so confused. Okay, yeah. Um, I know it's a little bit different, but if we're talking about like launch trailers for things that have come out of, I guess, early access or Kickstarter campaigns... Have you watched the Mighty Number no. Nine trailer? The launch one. I think the launch one with the yeah. the, the one where it will make your oh, oh yeah that's the one. Anime oh. is it anime fans crying, crying like an anime fan on prom night or something like that? It's yeah a bad line. something like that. It's the whole voiceover work in that that commercial is just I mean garbage. Ma- Mighty Number no. Nine itself is a pretty insulting game, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, and again, like, I mean, it's not quite early access. It's sort of the Kickstarter, which is sort of similar in a way, I guess. Um, that's definitely a, a way not to do it. <laughs> um, yes. Whatever that team did, don't do that at all. Um, Avoid that. Yeah. And I, I also don't... Other, yeah. uh, again, I don't know how much... Like, I guess this would count as early access because the game's in development and they're still taking money uh star citizen <laughs> right yeah that the game that, that's going to be in development forever yeah that that's it, it's it's teetering on the edge now of a joke like it's it's starting to get to the point now where it's like all right like we how get much, it you, how much money has star citizen made joel I oh, i'm gonna have some a, just exorbitant star, fucking it's like it used to be a joke right but it would still but still making money yeah but it is. Like, it, it is. It's it insane. Is. It's ridiculous. Um, I can't find a good number. But, yeah, Star Citizen was one of those games yeah. that I, I think of. And like, it's It seems to have a roadmap, but it feels like that roadmap keeps getting more and more bloated because they keep getting mm-hmm. more and more money, which keeps the game in development for longer and longer. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. Uh, mm, and like uh, releasing the the what are they called the modules that they release? Yeah, it's like some weird like the way they describe it makes it sound really unaccess- inaccessible. Like it, it just yeah, it really turns me off to hear stuff like that where it's like oh it's a bit on the nose. Like, um, but I mean if we're gonna look at early access games, like we should probably look at the king of all 
early access games, and that is Minecraft. Oh boy, Minecraft! I I bought into I think I bought into Minecraft at beta. Yeah, I think I did at some. Oh, actually no, I think I, mine was full release. I'm pretty sure before I picked it up. Um, but I remember hearing about this game that was like you know, like you can do anything. You just wander around and like create stuff and build things, and it's got this really weird art style and um yeah everyone was sort of talking about it it was it's kind of like PUBG. like it, everyone was talking about it at a period of time and um i remember my housemate at the time he decided to buy it he's like oh i'm gonna give it a go and i remember watching him play it and i didn't me personally i didn't see the appeal um for me but like i got it i was like all right this this is gonna be big and i mean flash forward four or five six years and minecraft is the juggernaut that cannot be stopped i mean it's insanely huge like it still is still going strong yeah yeah so i mean and that 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 that, it's weird because like it had a pretty long development cycle as well like um but i think because it was one of the first to do that sort of thing publicly and they made it very clear from the start they're like look if you buy it now you'll get it cheaper than what it will be eventually it's going to have more things coming to it, so just bear with us. The way it was worded was um, it made it seem more appealing to someone to part with their money. Yeah, I mean, um, they were they were pretty upfront about things, mm, which also Yeah, helps. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I think without Minecraft, we probably wouldn't be in the state we are with Early Access as it is. Um. Yeah, but yeah, I mean th- that that game's being used as like a, a learning tool in schools and things. Like it's Minecraft nuts. is crazy. People make it's games so inside nuts. of Minecraft. Yeah, like people make livings off Minecraft. Like it's it's nuts. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm okay with an early access game. I'm I've bought into. Well, I don't know if I've bought anything in early access. To be fair. Um, but I've bought, I've I've paid for Kickstarters, um, and it's good sometimes with Kickstarters when they give you like a little pre-release build that you can play through. I mean, you had that experience with ukulele with the toy box. I did. Mm. Um, oh, ukulele. Mm, I'm still waiting on my copy of it because <sighs> switch version. Um, <laughs> hopefully, one day. hopefully you're good. Hopefully you're good. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, but yeah, I think as long as you handle it right and market it correctly and don't make it very clear what your intents are from the start and be open with your audience. Like, if something's going wrong, let them know that. Like, it's better to rip the band-aid off and just go, hey guys, look, we know we said this is going to come out next week, but we're really not feeling it. It's not feeling like it's at a place where we want it to be for you guys to play. So if you just bear with us for like, you know, maybe another month or two, we'll, we'll try and get it out as quick as we can and, and, and to the, the level of quality that we want it for, for that particular build. I think a lot of people will, even if they are angry at first, will be more forthcoming to it down the track. They'll be like, okay, well, I get it. Yeah. That, I understand. You would like to think that most people would be like that. Fingers crossed, but the internet is a, pretty horrible place sometimes a pretty mm. horrible place and mm. honestly whether you're honest or whether you lie you're probably gonna get shredded by someone but yeah right. I, I i'm also com- 
I'm okay with early access games. Like, as you said, if you're upfront and if you've got a timeline to sort of give people who are buying mm. into it, like an idea of what to yeah. expect. If you're being sort of like, I mean, not with everything, but if you're being like open with them about, like you said, the, the, that roadmap and saying, this is what we want to try and achieve. And saying it like that too, it's like, this is going to be, this is definitely going to come out on this date. This is definitely going to come out this date. Don't do that. Just be like, this is what we're oh, trying really? to achieve over a six month period. Um, we want to get this up. We want to get this up. We want to get this up. Um, other things we're trying to work on are this, this, and this. Um, I think a lot more people will be more forthcoming. And I think that's what the, um, I can't remember his name, Brendan something, player unknown himself, um, has been pretty good like that with, um, I want to see a story. I want to see like a no clip Danny O'Dwyer documentary on PUBG. I think it's only a matter of time at this point. I think it is too, because Danny is a very big fan of PUBG. Um, seeing him on the kind of funny games cast, uh, kind of funny games daily, um, talking about it, it's pretty much all he's been playing, apart from The Witcher, but that's for research. So, um, the the other thing I would recommend, the other thing I don't like about early access is maybe don't do what We Happy Few did. Yeah, going yeah. from early access, early access indie to like eighty nine dollar full triple A priced game that's a bit of a jump again and yeah. uh we happy few is also one of those weird games where the concept initially sounded cool in early access yeah but as more of that game appeared and it was sort of a survival crafting game yeah my, my yeah. interest plummeted yeah i'm keeping an eye on it just out of like morbid curiosity but apart from that it also, that just reminded me of another game too that's sort of been early access, weird payment model, Fortnite. Oh, Fortnite is a good one as well, just because of, yeah, like buying into early access is fine and all, mm-hmm. and then it's like, yeah, yep. but it'll be free to play later. It's like, oh, yep. okay. But, and again, what we were saying before about being clear with your, your marketing and clear with your objective, they have not at all. Like, those guys have just... It's by saying like the whole that that sentence alone of like, yeah, you can pay to be in the uh, early access, um, but it's going to be a free to play game later. It's like, wait, what? Did I did I read that correctly? Like, is that surely not? And but but when you consider mm. it, like you get a bunch of perks for buying in now, and you just know when that game goes free to play, all that a lot of those perks, which I assume includes like inventory space and stuff like that, is just going to corner you into paying money down the road yeah yeah um but it's yeah, tricky though I, like early access is hard. tricky it's hard i think i think people are still starting to try and are still trying to figure out the way to do it and, and yeah. do it right those sort of like few examples of um of successes have been sort of like lightning in a bottle situations like PUBG was just you know came out of nowhere um Spawned by one guy who was making maps for Armor Three, and and and, and gamer. Oh no, sorry, Daisy. Armor Three, Armor Three. Daisy came from Armor, so yeah. It's so all, it's yeah. a roundabout thing, really. Yeah, so I think he was doing Armor Three stuff, and then he went into Daisy and was doing stuff there, and then from there they he went off and made uh, Battlegrounds. But um, and I mean, it's such a simple concept that game. And 
it's like for what I've watched of it, it just looks very interesting. Well, it takes the um, Hunger Games slash Battle Royale sort of gameplay mode that's been evolving and emerging over the last couple of years, and mm-hmm. just sort of makes make something great, make something that the version of that that people want to play. And if you show your audience too that you're passionate about it, I think that overcomes most like shortcomings. Really, if you show that you're like this is something that I'm I'm busting my ass to do, and I'm I'm working tirelessly to to bring to you. I think if I look back, I know it's not an early access game or anything like that, but if I look back on on No Man's Sky, um, like it when feels that game like came an out, early access game though. Exactly. So. But when that came out, like, for all I had to say about that game and, and for all that when that game came out, what it, what the state that it was in was not great, I still couldn't help but feel for Sean Murray because, like, I really couldn't. I felt like, to me, that that wasn't entirely his fault, that, like, a lot of people were trying to pin that on him and him alone. And I'm like, I really don't think that was his 100% his fault. Oh, no. Um so yeah, if you if you and I think that was because like when you saw him talking about it, like in those moments where he was talking about the parts that he actually wanted to talk about, it it his passion for that project was just insane, and it made me happy, it filled me with joy, so it made me want to support that. So yeah, be good to your audience. I think is probably the good thing. Yeah, as well. I would agree. I would agree. Yeah, but I mean, look. We're not. They're not going away. Early access games are not going oh, no. away. We're going to be, we're going to be with them for a long time. So, if anything, they're going to get more popular. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, it's on a bad level. It's a cheap way to publicize your game, I guess. And, I mean, if, you can, cheap... if you can, if you can take people's money while you're still working on it, absolutely, it makes sense. Yeah. Exactly. So, mm, anyway, but thank you, Lauren. For your game, uh, for your game, for your for question, your I, pff, I don't know. I'm sure it'll be an okay game. Oh, Joel. Yeah, there we are. Do I, do I have to do the rest of this podcast on my own? <clears throat> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I'd still like to be here, please. Um, I mean, I guess, I guess you could listen. Yeah, I just, I'm in the background just going, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Oh, good. Yep. Um, but yeah, thank you, Lauren, for your for your question. It was wonderful. Um, if you'd like to go follow them, in fact, if you not if you would like to, you should go and follow them all on their social medias and their YouTube channel and their podcast feed, and and just show them so much love because they are fantastic people, and I'm looking forward to hanging out with them. If not before, then sometime at PAX as well. Um, oh, I'm so excited for PAX. There's PAX, 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 PAX. So close. So close. It's getting near. I'm excited for PAX, but also the sooner PAX gets here, that means a week later I go to Japan as well. So, like, it's just good times all around. The sooner PAX gets here, the sooner we get Mario, the sooner Mm -hmm. we get a new season of Stranger Things. There is a lot of stuff coming. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, But, yes, thank you so much, Lauren. Uh, And our last question this week comes from the one, the only, super ultimate frisbee champion best friend of all time of the show i'm gonna have to query sean's frisbee abilities not that i think no. he's bad but i want to see no, them in don't, action don't it's you, you don't need to he's that good uh okay. all right fair enough solid argument friend, 
It's our amazing friend Sean who has designed all our graphic design work um, for our uh, all our social medias and whatnot. Uh, drew a lovely picture of us as well. Um, he also, uh, my wife, uh, surprised me with an early Christmas present. She got a commission done of myself and her and our two cats drawn in his style, and it's awesome. It's my profile picture on Facebook at the moment because I love it so much. Um, uh, yeah, he does it like commission work as well. So if you want some stuff done, hit him up. Um, look for Shawnee Boy Draws on Instagram or at seankirkpatrickdesigns.portfoliobox.net. I really need to put that in the notes. You're so, every time you're so confident when you say it, Joel. It's impressive. Yep. No, I'm just I'm. I, it's because I'm nailing it, Kyron. That's what it uh-huh. is. You're not, um, you're, not wing, you're not winging it at all. You just you. No, nope, not at all, not at all. I have a steel trap mind. Um. Anyway, Sean's a wonderful person. Go and show him some love. And he asks us this week, "What's your favorite and least favorite controller of all time?" Um. Yeah, this is a big one. This is, a, this is a toughie, in a way. Should we start with uh, best controller? Yeah, yep. I think that's the more yeah. substantial list, in my opinion. So we'll, we'll probably do, like, what, what should we do, like, three each for the favorite and then, like, one worst each? I think that's a good idea. I, I, I'm, I think there'll be some, some overlap, but, yeah, that, that would work. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably going to be the best way to do it. Um, alrighty. What should we? What should we start? Who who wants to start? Uh, I'll, I'll go first, Joel. I'll go first. You go first. All right. So I'll start with favorite. Yep. Uh, my favorite controller is actually it. It I thought I had it down a few generations ago, but true to this to this medium like style, I was wrong. Right. I think my favorite controller, Joel, was the DualShock Four. I. Uh- Look, it's a good, it's a solid controller. Apart from the battery, you know, yeah, the battery, the charge port, the unnecessary flashing lights. <laughs> mm, yeah, but, although like, I do like that in some games. How how it feels in your hands? It's got a good weight to it. It sort of is. It's curved in the right way. I just love that controller. Yeah, it's a good size as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, if I had to pick a second favorite. It would probably be mm-hmm. the Wii U. I mean, not the Wii U, the, the Switch Pro Controller. Oh, nice. Nice. I really control. like that control. It's basically an Xbox One, but again, it's got a good weight to it. I like how it feels in my hands. Yep. I like the triggers. Yeah. I like like the, the different like the textures on the handles versus the actual controller. Can't right. believe it came from Nintendo. Can't believe it. <laughs> yep. It's um and it's impressive. It is, it is. And I guess I, if I had to, like, the number three would be my uh, my old favorite, my old favorite controller, the GameCube controller. Right, yeah, I know controller. I know some people don't like it, and it could Josh, be... Be- Josh, Josh from OK Games. Josh doesn't like it. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know. I the other day about that, anyway. It could be because I spent most of my GameCube life playing Smash Brothers Melee and well, Metroid it. Metroid Prime. Like those two games are so good on that controller. I love it. I love like, it. I think yeah, that's the thing. We have we have an emotional attachment 
to that controller, I think. It's because we, we probably, like, you know, associate it with a lot of good times that we've had in, in the past. So, which, are, yeah, I don't, I don't blame it. It's, it. it's a great controller. We've had a lot of fun with that controller, um, and it has served us well. I still have, like, my original, like, GameCube controller that I used to use for Smash. Like, it's still hanging in there. Yep. No, I've I've still got mine. Mine's still kicking on, I'm pretty sure. Awesome. But what, but Joel, what are yours? Okay. So, um, the Super Nintendo controller. Ooh, good the, controller. The SNES controller, it's, it's a classic for a reason. Um, it may not have thumbsticks or anything like that. Um, I think, and I'm talking about, it didn't need them. And I'm talking about the PAL European version, not the shitty fucking North American one. I'm sorry if you're living in America and you grew up there and you had that poor, poor edition of that console. Um, give me the colors, give me the curves. It looks so nice. It is such a nice controller. It's visually appealing. It feels good to hold. It's lightweight, but it doesn't feel cheap. It's just a great controller all around. Um, so that's probably my number one. Number two, the, um, I guess any iteration of it, but the guitar controller, whether it be from Guitar Hero or oh, from I see, Rock Band. I see, I see the game you're playing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking outside the box. Um, so I, I'd probably say the like original Guitar Hero controller just because that was um, the one that I had the most, like I was familiar with the most. Um, the Rock Band controllers always felt weird, and not in a bad way. They were still a great controller, but because I wasn't used to them, um, it felt odd. Uh, but yeah, I think, again, for the same reason, like you said about the, uh, the, the, the GameCube controller, like a lot of good memories were had with my, uh, my Wii Guitar Hero 3 controller, um, like a lot of hours playing that game and a lot of good times with various people in my life, um, that I look back on fondly. So that's probably my number two. Um, number three, I didn't quite get a number three, uh, in there as, uh, quickly as I wanted to. I do love the DualShock 4 as well. It's a good um, controller. Quite a bit. It just is. <laughs> It's, I mean, it's solid. Like, you can't, you can't go wrong with it. Um, oh. I'm trying I'm to think of other go. controllers that they like. Like, there's a lot. Yeah. 360 had a good controller. That's true. I'm going to go with a bit of a wild, wild card one. I'm going to go oh. with the DS and 3DS touchscreen. Ooh, okay. So, not... <laughs> not a great like screen because obviously no. it couldn't be because of the screen the, of the the touch pad that it needed to be. Yeah. Um, but there's I, there were so many games that I that I played on the DS or 3DS that used that touchpad in interesting ways. Um, like I I mentioned before, Chinatown Wars on the on the DS, uh, GTA Chinatown Wars. I loved building the sniper rifle having to open the case and build the sniper rifle like you see in movies, like screwing it all together and stuff. I love that shit. It was such a cool uh, like feature that made made it feel like a, a different experience on this on this system. Um, I, have, I have five words for you, Joel. Mm-hmm. The 
world ends with you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, the world ends with you. The fact that, like, you know, you are using the buttons as well as that touchscreen, and it worked. It just it worked. so well. I don't know how they did it. That It's just, it, it was wizardry, really. That's yep. it. That's the only way I can explain it. Oh, absolutely. And, and I mean, to a lesser extent as well, it wasn't perfect, but something like Metro Prime Hunters, like the Me- fact that Metro, you could... Metro Prime Hunters was a, it was a good shooter. I played was, a lot yeah. of that multiplayer. And it worked, like using the touchpad as like essentially like a mouse and key, like a mouse. Um, it, it worked. It, it was similar to when they put out Metro Prime 3 and then also remade Metro Prime 1 and 2 on the Wii remotes. Like... Yeah, I, it's hard to go back from that. Like that accuracy is great. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it, it definitely uh, made it feel a lot more. Uh, you had a lot more control over the situations that you had. Um, but yeah, uh, that's probably my three. I would say. What about least favorite? Oh, Joel, I have an answer ready to go immediately. Okay, it's the gamepad from the Wii U. It just is. Yeah, the gamepad from the Wii U. It is bulky, it is uncomfortable, it is kind of cheap looking. Not kind of cheap looking, like if I look at it right now, yeah, it looks cheap. It looks cheap, and it feels cheap too when you hold yeah. it in your hands. It is, yeah. it is not a fun way to play games. No, 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 no. That's why I bought the Wii U Pro Controller, which was good. But the yep. gamepad is probably my least favorite. Yep, no, fair enough. That's fair. Um, for me, it's not one that I actually had or even played with or have even touched, but just from the sheer absurdity of it for its time, um, I'm going to go with the Power Glove. Oh God, the Power Glove is a good answer because it was not a good controller. Because current, it's so bad. It's so bad. Yep. Um, just go watch the angry video game nerd try to use it. Like it's bad. Yeah, it's really bad. Um, also, if you want to see a giant fucking hour and a half long commercial for for Nintendo and the Power Glove as well, go and watch the eighties movie or nineties movie, The Wiz, uh, The Wizard, not The Wiz. The Wiz, the Wiz is, is a very different thing. <laughs> very different thing. Um, go and watch The Wizard, um, which is yeah, just a giant Nintendo commercial. Um, but yeah, one of the characters in it has a Power Glove, and yeah, it's so bad. Um, like it's just. It's the epitome of of that that era of video games and just like culture in general. It's um yeah, it really sums that one up. Absolutely. So yeah, the power glove. It's there's so many buttons on it, Kyron. Like I don't I don't understand the, it. The motions didn't work or anything. It crazy. Nintendo, you were crazy. You were crazy. I love you, but man. Sometimes God. you just you you're good. And you get the Switch, or you get the Super Nintendo. Other times you're bad. Yeah. And you get the Power Glove, or you get the Virtual Boy. Ooh. Or you get the Wii U. Oh, the Virtual Boy. Oh. Virtual Boy, Joel. Virtual Boy. Oh, oh ow, my freaking ears. Uh, um. uh, <laughs> I, honorable mention for worst controller goes to Rob. Oh, nice. <laughs> Fucking Rob. Don't want to play Garamite, oh. mate. Don't want to play Garamite. <laughs> With a fucking... Stack up. <laughs> ridiculously expensive fucking... I like his design, like, as a as a thing. Oh, yeah. Like, it's a But as cool a controller design. to play but, games? Mm, no. Mm, no. No. No, 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 no. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, honorable mention for good controllers. I would argue that the um, the Wii mode, the Wii mode um, changed the game. Mm-hmm. The Wii mode was like so. You had Nintendo coming to that generation with a standard definition console where yeah. PS3 and 360 were like, oh yeah, well look how good our games look. And then Nintendo yep. just said, what if our games were just really accessible? And then they yep. sold tons of Wiis and t- mm-hmm. and forced Sony and Microsoft to go, huh, maybe we should do motion controls. Like, that's insane. No, you shouldn't do motion controls. That's No, the because the Wii was built for them and the other ones were just tacked on yep. attachments that no one was going to buy or support. Yeah, but hey, but I, they tried anyway. It was impressive to see them try and use them in in interesting ways, like things like uh, like WarioWare, like using the the different ways that that game makes you use that Wiimote is really interesting um, and really fun. Uh, but even things like you know, I mean, like the Metroid Prime Three, Metroid I, Metroid series, Metroid Prime series, like when that that's true. When yeah, all three games came out on Wii. Like that's the only way I can play them now. It's just too good to have the aiming on the moat, and like even like yeah, as you said, Prime Three. I assume you're going to say like the little motion controls, like whipping the nunchuck mm-hmm. for the grapple beam and all that. Yep, so good. Yeah, and just having yeah, like you said, that accessibility of it, like it's like to do this thing, just flick the controller. It's like oh, cool, that makes sense because. You know, it's it's like relating it back to what it would be like in real life to to do that motion and to, to use that to ability. Shoot an enemy, just point at them. Just point at them. Which yeah, also makes me think point. of games that were surprisingly good given they were on the Wii, like the Call of Duty the Wii got, or even that yeah. GoldenEye game that came out. Like they were surprisingly good were on the good. Wii remote. Yeah, like that, that, that GoldenEye game was. It was not. It never quite encapsulated what it was like to play it back in the day. Absolutely never was, not. It, it was never going to. But man, we had some fun times. We had some like fun. playing like again split screen multiplayer at like various people's houses when that came out. And I'd, I'd be lying if I said if I, I didn't have fun playing that game. In I'm that glad format. you bought up a Wii Remote. Joel. That's a that is a good controller. Yeah, I'm just looking at mine over there, and I was like, I don't know if it's my favorite, but I think it's nah. like you said, it's a game changer. It it changed the industry for to it from, did. you know. Oh, and and video games as well. You could almost argue that that was like the turning point for video games becoming a lot more. It was for lack of a better term, mainstream. It was a turning point for Nintendo. The GameCube yes. was the last time they put out like a a powerful console that was like, hey, you can get a PS2 or a GameCube or an Xbox. They're all about the same. Like, yep. Then they, the Wii came out and they were like, oh, we can do our own thing. We can go after our own audience. Yep. It didn't work out for the Wii U, but the Switch no. it's going, it's building again. Like The Switch seems like a happy medium between the two. It's like, it's not quite super powerful, but it's not like a turd wrapped in tinfoil either. Like it's, it's, it's still good. Um, it's and, and, an interesting concept that's pretty easy to grasp, and the advertising is pretty solid. Exactly, it works as advertised. It's yeah. Oh boy. Well, you know what? Thank you, Sean, for your question. Good question. That was a good question. Was a good question. Yeah, we had a, a good little discussion there about controllers. Um, controllers are cool. Uh, honorable mention to the sixty-four controller for being a what, how did I play games on this controller? But sort of yeah, thing. I know. Like, well, how did this work? Yeah, how how did I do this? It still baffles me. Um, 
Also, the 8-bit do, like, retro-style control, like, Bluetooth controllers. I haven't played with one, but I'm very tempted to get one when the Switch one comes out. Um, because they look amazing. Because they look like Super Nintendo controllers. But um, with thumbsticks, so big thumbs up for that one. Um, but yeah, thank you, Sean, for your question. It was awesome. We love you. Uh, and yeah, I reckon that's an episode, Karen. I think it is, Joel. Uh, so of course, as always, we want to thank you for reaching this point of the episode. We appreciate that you listen to us talk about video games. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you want to follow us on the social medias, you can find us on Facebook by just searching for Dialogue Options. You can find us on Twitter at Dialogue Options. You can send us a cheeky little email over to dialogueoptions at gmail.com. And as for our individual accounts, you can find me on Twitter at LemonManX, where I am. I, I tweeted most recently a GIF from the end of Twin Peaks. So maybe, I don't know if it's considered a spoiler because you probably don't understand it, but be careful maybe. <laughs> I just okay. look at that GIF and I get filled with just, I don't know, I don't know what to think anymore. Uh, where can they <laughs> find you, Joel? You can find me at Jolly Mac, where the last thing I tweeted was, uh, it basically says, me, I don't think I'll get Destiny 2 at launch. Got Mario and Rabbids and Yakuza 0 still. Everyone ever. Destiny 2 is actually quite good. Me, and it's that picture of the I guess meme. With the guy throwing his <laughs> arms up in the air going, I guess. Accurate. Um, which is, yeah, pretty much sums up how I feel at the moment. It's like, fine. This podcast was a journey through that. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. Fucking talk uh, about bef- Destiny 2 next week. Before I forget, uh, if you don't forget to leave us, a, leave us a little review or a rating on whatever podcast thing you listen to us on, because it Please helps. Please do that. And feel free to share us around. We appreciate it. We've been we've been having fun doing this for, geez, over a year now. Yeah, like a year and a half almost. Yeah. It's great, Joel. I love talking about video games with you. It's so much fun, dude. I love it. Uh, but uh, yeah we'll let our wonderful theme song by Azure Flux strike witches get bitches take us out and you can catch us next week see ya bye (laughs) 